In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever watched a child, or, or an adult for that matter, pick apart or, or dissect or deconstruct their meal? You know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe they've got a, a bag of something simple like trail mix in front of them, and you watch as they pick out every green, eat M&M, &M and, and, and eat those. Or, or maybe you watched a, a kid, you, you serve them pepperoni pizza, and they just take off every last piece of pepperoni and keep them in a stack. Maybe to save for the end, or maybe they don't like pepperoni, so they're just going to throw it away. Or, or maybe, sadly, you watched as they opened up the, the hamburger that you served them, fresh off the grill, and they take off that big, red, juicy, homegrown from the garden tomato that you put in there, and they just throw it away because they don't care for it. Right? Uh, when, when I was a kid, I used to take Oreos. And at that time, I'm different now, I've, I've repented and changed. Uh, at that time, I didn't care too much for chocolate. And so I'd take Oreos, and I would scrape out the cream filling, and I would eat that and then discard the, the cookies. It sounds crazy, but that was my way of picking apart or dissecting or deconstructing my food. Or, or maybe, uh, one last example, maybe you prepared this, this, this wonderful batch of homemade chili, and you, you watch as, as your kids just pick around all of the beans because they don't like them. You, you've seen this before, and, and there's really no harm in it, no, no serious harm, right? Maybe you feel like your well-defined palate is offended by their culinary choices, or maybe you're a little disappointed if you made this meal and carefully crafted it and you're not all that happy with how they're consuming it, but really not too much uh, wrong with that, not a big problem. Today, though, we're going to talk about uh, uh, something that is a serious problem, and that is when God's pick apart or dissect or deconstruct their faith. And I think as we talk about it, you're going to see that this actually happens all of the time. And to be quite honest, I think we are all guilty of it. We all have a habit of, of taking our favorite verses or favorite passages of the Bible, favorite teachings of Jesus, and, and really holding on to those, right? Bringing them up to the top. Meanwhile, the, the verses or the passages or the teachings that maybe don't fit into our view of God we, we leave those to the side, right? We really hold on to the, the, the Bible verses that talk about God's love, but the ones that talk about his divine jealousy or anger or wrath, right? We, we don't know what to do with those. They don't fit into the picture of God that we would like to have in our, our minds, and so uh, we, we kind of forget about them, or we, we, we pretend like they're not there. We all have a habit of dissecting, picking apart, deconstructing our faith, right? Even when it comes to God's rules and laws, his will for our life. There are certain things that God tells us to do, usually the things that we're a little bit better at following, that we really hold on to and, and think are awfully important. And, and then there are the things maybe we're not too good at or, or, or that we don't care for too much that, that we just kind of avoid talking or thinking very much about. We all have a habit, as God's children, of dissecting deconstructing, picking apart our faith. And uh, what James tells us today is that that is not good. <laughs> that we were meant to live this, this unified life of wholeness in, in which we, we don't pick and choose our, our favorite parts, right? We don't tear it apart when it doesn't make sense to us or fit into what we think it should look like. That we were meant to hold it all together. And uh, James writes this because it seems like some of the people he's writing to have picked apart their faith. And, and how they got there, I think, is 100% understandable. Right? It seems like the people that James is talking to have, have decided that because they have faith, they don't need good works anymore. 
Right? It's, it's understandable how they got there, especially if they spend very much time with Jesus or listening to him or, or maybe hearing from the Apostle Paul. It's, it's easy to, to understand how they got to a place where, where they rely so heavily on faith that, that they see no place for good works in their life. After all, they, they would probably say, right? We're not saved by what we do. Jesus has saved us, and we can't earn our way into his love or, or into his eternity. So, so we don't need to, to bother with any of that anymore. It's understandable, but, but James knows that it's not right. That, that we were not created, again, to pick apart, dissect, deconstruct our faith. We were meant to live with this whole and full and vibrant, abundant life of faith. And, and for James, for God, what that means is, is a life of faith, a life of trusting and resting and believing in Jesus. But that that whole and full and abundant, vibrant life of faith also means acting like Jesus. That, that true belief in what Jesus has done will always lead us to, to a life of service and sacrifice for the good of the people that God has placed around us. Uh, listen to how James puts it. I read these words for you just a minute ago. Let me read just a few of these verses again for you, because again, I think James just puts it so simply and so beautiful. This, this is what he says. James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Again, James is reminding us that we are called to live this full, whole faith in, in which we're believing and trusting and resting, but also doing and acting. And what he's saying is that true faith a faith that, that recognizes that it has everything it needs in Jesus. Faith that has received mercy and grace and kindness and compassion from Jesus. Faith that, that finds its identity and purpose and eternity in Jesus. That faith can't look at the needs of the people that God has placed in our lives. People who are naked or hungry or homeless. And, and that faith can't look at them and simply say, Good luck. Hope it turns out well for you. Hope you find some clothes or some food or a place to live, right? That's not true faith. But a whole and full and abundant, vibrant life of faith looks at the needs around us and responds in physical, tangible ways. It, it provides food and shelter and clothing, sometimes even at great personal cost. And that's not easy, but that's the life that God has called us to. Uh, James will then go on to give two examples of this. He wants to hold up people that we can look to, real people from history that, that we can use as examples for our own lives. And this is really helpful, I think, right? We all need Christian examples. And I hope that you have some in your life, people that you can look to and say, yes, they're living that full and, and abundant life. I want to be like them. Uh, they are gifts from God. And, and the first one that James offers to us today is Abraham. And, and this is probably no surprise, either to the people that James is writing to or, or to us today, right? That he would use Abraham as an example. Because Abraham trusted in God, no doubt about it. He, he believed that, that God was with him and leading him and guiding him and was giving him everything he ever needed. Uh, Abraham believed in the promises that God made him, as otherworldly and crazy as they sounded. Abraham had that trust, that, that what we would call faith in God. Uh, but Abraham, his faith also caused him to, to respond, right? Uh, 
Abraham worked and acted. His faith caused him to do things. Uh, Abraham left the, the only place he had ever called home and followed God's call to a faraway land, uh, living in a place he had never heard of. How could he do that? Because his faith caused him to act. And, and it was Abraham's faith that, that caused him to bring his son Isaac up the mountain, that his only son, his promised son, and, and he was prepared to offer that son as a sacrifice because God had asked him to. Again, we see in Abraham both a, a clinging and a trusting and a believing and a resting, but also an acting and a doing. And that's the first example that James gives us. And he wants us to spend some time thinking about that, I, I think. The second example is maybe a little bit more surprising. Uh, if not to us, then I, I think certainly to James's first century audience. Because the, the second example that, that James gives is Rahab. And Rahab, in that time, in that culture, kind of had all three strikes against her, right? She, uh, she was not an Israelite, she was a Gentile, she was a woman, and she was a prostitute. And, and so for those three reasons, she is a, a very not typical, untypical example to be providing to God's people. And yet, James lifts her up and says, look to her, be like Rahab. Right? Rahab, who looked to the God of Israel and trusted in his power and his goodness. And as she looked to him, to that God in faith, that caused her to act. She welcomed in these spies from the Israelites and then worked for their good, uh, allowing them to escape in peace. And, and it was her acts that brought about the salvation of all of the people of Israel. And so James is saying today, look to Rahab, as unexpected of an example as she might be, because she is exactly what we are called to be. And if we could all live like Rahab, we'd all be a little bit better off. So, so James says, look to these people and, and be like them. Uh, believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, find your identity and your security and what he has done for you, and then respond to that with faithful action. Uh, here's one other way to think about it. Uh, let me see if, if this helps, and, and maybe it won't, but let me try. Uh, let's imagine for a second that we are all gardeners, and uh, let's suppose that, that we each would like to, to grow some sort of vibrant uh, flowering plant in our homes. Uh, we, we've, we've, we've got a green thumb, and we're, we're ready to, to test it out. And so let's, let's imagine we're going to need some things if we want to grow a plant in our home, right? The first thing that we'll need is uh, a pot, right? If we're gonna grow something inside, we, we need a pot. Uh, it's very necessary, pots are good, um, but obviously just a pot isn't gonna grow anything on its own, right? It's, it's a good thing, uh, but it's lacking something. And, and so something else that we need is uh, a bag of soil, right? Soil is good, necessary for plants to grow, but um, you can't grow a, a plant just with a bag of soil in your living room either, right? And, and so what we need is actually to put these two together. On their own, they're not really good for much of anything, but you, you take a pot and you fill it with soil, and, and a good gardener, an experienced gardener, can then uh, add a seed to it and add some water, and with a little time, what you'll have is a vibrant, growing, abundant plant. And I, I give that example to say that that's the, the life that that James wants for us, this, this abundant life of faith. He wants us to take our trusting and our believing and our resting and to combine it with our acting and our working, our striving, our serving, our sacrificing, 
and are doing. And, and when we live that kind of life, God, through his planting and watering, can bring about something beautiful. God can bring change to our lives and to the lives of people around us. His kingdom comes into this world when we believe and trust, but also act and do. So that's the life, the life of faith that James is calling us to, calling us to today. Uh, I, I want to share two examples with you because, because while I, I think this passage today is meant to get us to think creatively and imaginatively, right? I mean, just imagine what it could look like if as God's people, that this is how we lived every day. Right? Trusting and resting, looking to Jesus for everything. Think of the confidence and the hope and the security we would have. And then I think we're meant to, to think creatively and imaginatively about how we might bring change to the world, about the kinds of things that our world needs and how we could meet those needs. And, uh, I, I want us to maybe spend some time, I want, would like for you and, and me together to spend some time thinking and praying about that, uh, about how we could live out this abundant life that God has for us. As we think about that and as, as we imagine a little, uh, again, like I said, I'd like to leave you today with two examples. And uh, James gave you two examples, right? The, the examples of Abraham and Rahab, and so I'll leave you with two as well. The first, I think, is going to hit pretty close to home <laughs> because it's, it's something that you all at, at Living Christ have been doing. I, I want to lift you up as the example, not so that you can puff your chests out, uh, but to encourage you and to, to say, yes, that is what it looks like. And what I, the example I'd like to give you is, is the drive through food pantry that you all have taken up. You see, here at Living Christ, we spend a lot of time looking to Jesus, right? Focusing on his cross because we believe that in it we have an identity and a future. And, and, and that when we look to Jesus, we see that we have everything that we need, that we are forgiven and cleansed. We see a God of justice, but also compassion and and, and mercy. And, and so we gather around Jesus, right, in our worship like this week after week. We have Bible studies, listening to the Word of God and, and letting it dwell in our hearts and change us. We spend a lot of time believing and trusting in Jesus. But you all also knew that your calling didn't stand, end there. You let God and His gifts fill you up and then flow out of you to, to meet a real tangible need, right? You saw that in the midst of this pandemic, that people were losing their jobs and had their hours cut and, and that there was a real need for food and meals to be served. And you didn't just say, good luck, community, hope it turns out well for you. No, you, you saw the need and then you met it. To the point where now we're, we're gathering close to 30 bags of food every week to give away to 30 families. Isn't that amazing? Look at what God can do. Look at the fruit that he will bear in the lives of his people as they both trust in Jesus, but then also act like Jesus. So I guess what I'm trying to say today, dear friends, is keep going. What an amazing example you are. And, and I pray that God would continue to bless us all in that effort. Uh, the second example I'd like to give is the example of Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus, he lived that full, vibrant life of faith. He trusted in his Father without a doubt. He placed his hands into his father, committed his spirit to his father. But he also acted on behalf of his people, doing good works of kindness and mercy, right? Sitting with, with women at the well, welcoming in sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes into his family, cleansing the lepers and healing the sick, right? Jesus lived that life of trust and faith, but also action and obedience. 
And so we all together ought to look to Jesus to fix our eyes on him, and to live like he lived. The truth is that today's message, uh, it's, it's one that some of us really needed to hear. And I'll speak for myself, that include myself in that group, right? I, I, I needed this challenge, and I think many of us did. It's easy to get comfortable and complacent in our faith. And, and again, for good reason, we ought to celebrate all that Christ has done for us. We ought to believe that he is the only way to eternity, and we can't buy our way there or earn our way there. All of that is right. But today's words challenged us and reminded us that we are also called to respond that everything we were that we have been given wasn't meant to be held inside, but was meant to be shared and given away, trusting and believing that God will continue to fill us up, that we'll never run empty. As much as we might hand out and pass out and give away, God will continue to pour out his goodness and mercy upon us. And so today, I think for some of us, was just that challenging reminder that we needed, that, that we are to have this full life of faith and trust and rest, but also action and doing for the good of our neighbor. Uh, some of you here today, though, these words were wearying, I think. Because I would guess there are at least a few people today who, who are saying to themselves, I, I have been trying to work as hard as I can, and I, and I feel like I can't do anymore. And, and then I read today's passage, and it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. And, and how do I ever know if I am doing enough, or if I am good enough? And, and so I would guess there are some people here today who read these words and just feel overwhelmed. And if that's where you're at today, I, I would ask you maybe flip the coin over. And, and maybe what you need a reminder of is all that God has done for you. We need both. We need to be reminded to, to get off the couch and serve and sacrifice in real tangible ways. But we also need the reminder that we have everything we need in Jesus. And, and that in him we have a life of peace and rest. And so maybe that's what you need to hear today. And so I pray that you would hear it. That in Jesus, you have a Savior who has done everything for you, who has taken the weight off of your shoulders and onto his own so that you might have that life of comfort and hope and peace. And let me try to, to put it as simply as I know how as we close today. Dear brothers and sisters, do good. Work hard. Serve sacrifice, even if it requires a great personal cost. Get your hands dirty in the lives of the people around you. Look at the needs of, of the people that God has placed in your life, and don't just wish them well, but do something about it. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor, because Jesus first loved you, and because he paid your price, and, and he took your sin upon his shoulders, because he has forgiven you, because he's given you a future. Because he loved you, love your neighbor. As, as God's people, we work hard, but only because we know of God's work for us. In Jesus' name.